I'm so thankful to get the opportunity tonight. If you didn't know, I will be preaching tonight. And I'm just so honored that I have the chance to get up behind a platform be able to give to you what the Lord has gave to me. And I don't want you to think that I take this lightly. And this word that I have for you tonight, I have spent more time, I think, on this message than I have on my other messages before. Because at first I was hesitant to come and give this word. And it was back, May 12th was the first time that this word was planted in me. And I had put it off for that many months because I was like, God, is this from you? My flesh was coming against me. And I didn't understand why I was supposed to give this word. But over time, the Lord has revealed more and more things to me. And I feel like now it's at a place, this is the timing. I was waiting for a time that it was needed for the church. And I feel like now this is a needed word. So I hope that you will hear me tonight as I begin. And something that I know may seem strange is that it's kind of a part two to what Ronnie preached on Sunday. If I could have got up right after him, I could have went on another, we could have had a whole other service on Sunday. It would have went right along with what he was saying. And I've been watching many other prophets and many other videos and different messages from different churches. And I've been hearing a lot of these things aligned between so many of our messages. And at first I took that as, well, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just saying that because they said that, but I know that really it's a confirmation from God that this is really what we need to be hearing. That is being placed in so many different people's spirit. So with that being said, tonight I'm going to be preaching on the old well, a restoration and a return. And that might mean not a lot to you right now, but hopefully by the end of this, you'll be able to understand what that really means. Now, I don't have lots of scripture tonight, but I will be going to Proverbs 10, 11. If you want to be turning there, just going to do one simple verse from that. And while you're turning there, I am going to be preaching on a well tonight. I want to explain to you what that means before I go any further. And first thing I want to point out is that when I'm talking of the well, I'm speaking of the church is what we need. That well is what sustains us. And the water in the well that I'm referring to tonight, I believe, is the same water that Ronnie preached on on Sunday. So whenever I refer to the water, I want you to think back to that water that has the accent that Ronnie spoke about only a few short days ago. And I know that in Proverbs 10, 11... I begin to just look at that part, and I don't have the same translation as many of you wrote out before me, but it just says that the mouth of the rich, the mouth of the righteous, will be beheld as a well, but the mouth of the wicked will be covered with downtrodden. And I found that translation, it's not really exactly like a lot of others in the Bible, but I know it means the same thing. And what it's trying to speak out to me is that the mouth of the righteous is a well of living water. And that is the will, that is the power, that is the water. But that of the wicked is not. And how many times do we know that the enemy tries to come against the mouth of the prophet or the mouth of the preacher or the mouth of his church? Because what does the enemy want? He desires a silent church. And so many times the enemy comes along, I want you to note here, he's trying to clog the well. He's trying to contaminate the water that our source comes from. And I feel like in so many times he tries to come against us. Why? Because if he can stop the word of the prophet, then there's no direction for the church. There's no place for them to go. They don't have that word or that guidance. They don't understand what's to come. And if he can stop a singer, it's because he wants to stop the worship because the worship is what binds. The worship is what can push through. And if he can silence a church, then we're not fulfilling our destiny. So that thing that he's trying to clog, he's trying to silence, it just kept coming back to me. And I said, why is it so important that the church is not silent? Why is it so important that we do speak out? Because that's what we were called to be. Why is it? It's that because with sound comes breakthrough. Every sound that we have, when you make a sound, it's because something happened to you. If I scream, it's because someone hit me or someone touched me. That's when I scream. Why? Because we're crying out because we felt something. And that's what he's trying to stop is the sound because of what sound comes feeling, comes a breakthrough. 
And how do we spread the news? How do we talk about God through sound? So many times in the Bible, sound symbolized something, such as a rushing mighty wind. It symbolizes the entrance of a presence. When the walls fell in Jericho, they let out a shout. It was a sound. A sound always declares something. And so many times the enemy has been labeling the church as that of a silent church. How many of us have heard that, that it's a dying church, it's a silent church, it's a sleeping church? Why? All of those things have in common that it's a silent body. But I feel like he's using that as confusion and deception today. And I mentioned this a little bit when I was closing on Sunday, but that the church is beginning to have a new sound. It sounds a little bit different than it ever has before. Why? Because we're becoming to come out of that slumber, I feel like. And the enemy has tried to say that that was a death rattle, but I said that was the wrong type of sound. Don't let the enemy label the sounds. And it might be uncomfortable, maybe new. That's why we don't understand what it is. But really, it's the church waking up. I feel like it's an undercurrent. It's a rumbling. We don't understand those sounds. They must be little right now. We don't understand the fullness of it because we're not ready for it yet. But when we begin to hear little sounds, know that that beginning of that sound, that noise that was labeled as a death rattle was a birthing. It's something new. It's something fresh. It's a return to the waller, to the well that I'm going to be speaking on labor. And one thing that I said there was the enemy has labeled us as that. But how many knows we cannot let the enemy label our circumstances? Because who said that the church should be labeled by the media or that a post can determine what the church is, that the enemy can determine what the church is? The only people that can change who the church is, is the church. For so long, we have let them tell us that we're silent and let them tell us that we're nothing or that our wells dried up. We don't have that water. But who are they to say what we are and who we have? Only we have the ability to make the noise. With that being said, though, there is some sounds that a church should not be making. Number one, that is a silent church. A silent church is not the answer because that's, we're not spreading the word. We're not reaching out. We're not doing more. A church with false proclamations, that's not the sound of a church. We have to be making sure that what we are saying is true so it cannot be labeled as a false proclamation or something that we just felt an opinion. It should never be based on us. A church that looks like the world, a church that sounds like the world, but that's no church at all. If you look like the world and sound like the world, you're not fulfilling the design of a church. And a church is called to be the salt and the light. A church that is asleep is not the answer. A church that is quiet, that complains, that is filled with groaning and mourning, that's not going to bring a change. And for so long, that's what the church has been labeled as. But I feel like in this new season, the church is transitioning to the opposite of that. And I'm going to list you the things that the church should be and what we should be coming back to. And number one, that is a well of worship. When I say return to the waters, return to the well, I'm saying we need to rise up in our worship again. A church that has a war cry. The church is supposed to be unified as an army. Together we will stand. Together we will shout. Together we will march. How is that? Because we're letting out a war cry. That is how they know they should fear us. They know that they should be afraid. If you're not making a sound, how do they know you're coming to destroy them? The church should be a sound of joy. How many people know that the church is filled with so many oppressive spirits and there's depression and there's all these things coming against us, but we're supposed to be filled with more joy than anyone in the world. So why is it that we don't have that? Why is it that we're not voicing our testimonies? The church should be a place of testimony, voicing our words. The church should be a sound of tongues unknown to man because that is what will draw. That is what will bind. That is what will push through a mess. It's when we cry out and we open our mouth and we become no longer the silent church, but a church of all those things. And oftentimes we say that the church is come against by the enemy. That's our biggest opposition. It's the enemy. But the first thing I want to do when I'm talking on this message is I want to address the church coming against itself because oftentimes our own flesh and our own selves come against us in a stronger way than anyone else can. And one thing that I think that the church has done to itself to stop us from getting to that water that Ronnie spoke on is we have set up a divide. I don't think it was intentional, but I feel like we've set up a divide of generations. 
that we have labeled the new and the old, and we have set us different jobs and different oppositions to do in the church. And I know the young people feel like we have to dig deeper. There's more for us. We, we realize that there's something more. And I think that we understand we have to get back to the water that Ronnie was talking about. And I think the whole church is on that same page. But yet somehow we have separated ourselves into the church of tomorrow and the church of today when really we are the church. We should have no other label. The Lord is not limited to an age group or a generation or a timing. It's whoever's vessel is ready. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 80 years old, the youngest or oldest person in this house, we are the church. There should be no subtitles after that. And I'm thankful for a God that will use any of us, no matter what our age is, but that we need to come together as a unified body. Whether it be the smallest or the largest person in this place, we are all the same church. And yes, we need to dig for ourselves. And yes, we need to dig deeper. But I think that in many churches around the nation, the young people have been trying to dig deeper, but we might not be doing it in the right way. We might be trying to build our own well. We feel like we need to dig deeper, so we're going to start laying these bricks down. We want to help in the building. But what we didn't realize doing is that we're not adding to the well that was already there. We're trying to make our own. We're using our new songs and new mechanisms, and that's fine, and that's great. But that can be added on top of what was already there. We don't have to restart anything or rekindle a flame when there was already a torch there for us to carry. He didn't tell us that we had to start from scratch and go through everything that our parents went through, that our grandparents went through. They went through that to set a foundation for us to run on, not for us to go build our own foundation. And I think that that's where the church has come against itself, not even meaning to, but we feel like we have to do this new thing and we do have good intent and we are trying to push greater, but we're doing it in a separate manner than what our parents did. But I feel like in this next season, I just kept hearing unity will be a key in the upcoming days for my body. And that without unity, the church is not strong enough to come against what is to come. So I feel like we really need to be unified in this sense. And one thing about our generation, that if I say this term, I'm sure every young person on this front row knows this, and anyone that I ask in the world will know this, that's cancel culture. Anyone of our generation, I'm sure maybe adults have heard that too, but if you go to Conrad'sville High School, I guarantee you'll hear the word canceled within like three minutes. We have labeled ourselves as a cancel culture generation. That was a label that we gave ourselves. And if you don't know what that means tonight, it's if someone makes a mistake or if a celebrity does something, we all decide to boycott them and they are canceled. And we say that something is canceled, we're done with it forever. And this generation has, we've labeled ourselves that. We have made ourselves the cancel generation. We can refer to ourselves as that. But instead of a generation of cancel and a generation of pushing out the old, I heard that we more than ever need to be a generation of grace instead of cancellation and mercy instead of cancellation. And instead of trying to push out something that's old school or traditional and cancel that way, when that is the same fight that we are fighting now, it's the same water source that we need now. So we cannot try to cancel the things of the old because we think we need a new way, a new mechanism. We need to be meeting in the same heaven, the same God, the same Bible. So why do we have to cancel? cancel the ways of old to get there. They moved in power. They moved in healings. Why desert a way that saved lives? Why desert a way that led a foundation for us? They're the ones that gave us the torch to run with, and too many times when we received that torch, we're running away from the path that they walked on. How will we get to the finish line that they were striving for if we're walking away and we're trying to cancel what they did? So instead of cancellation, I hear to keep going a completion instead of cancellation. The worship that they used to sing 
was solely and deeply so true. And why is that? I look back at old songs and there's so much power there. Why? Because they realized that they deeply depended on the Lord with everything they had. They had to. It was their refuge. It was what they had. Why did they have so much power? Because they believed every word they said. And these new songs, sometimes I have to look up the words in these songs. I don't even know what they mean now. And I have to say, what am I singing? Because I'm not going to get up here and sing something that I don't know what I'm saying when they used to truly proclaim and live by what they said. It's not just words anymore. And something that I know that the church has been facing is an internal fight of heaviness and weariness. So many people have said that it feels so heavy or that why is that? Hence the sleep because we're just so heavy and we're just so tired and the church is just asleep. But why is that so hard? Why is it that when we have, we're wanting more but it feels like we're not getting there? Why is it that we're doing something different? It's because the depth that we're trying to get to is different. And if you're wanting to go deeper, you have to expect more obstacles. And if you want more and you want a higher place with God, then you have to know that there's going to be a higher standard for that. And you can't expect to have the same weight but be winning bigger victories. Does that make sense tonight? If you're going to press deeper into a well, if you're going to go out deeper into a water than you've ever been, do you expect the current to push you back a little bit harder? The farther out you get, the harder it is to swim. The more tired you get. So it's not that we're failing. It's not that we're heavy because we're doing something wrong, but heavy because are reaching a new level and then after a while of swimming out and waiting in the water you can't touch the bottom anymore and it's deeper it's something more fresh it's a stirring and I believe that what we're entering into it's a stirring of the old waters I think that the church this church I know I can speak for that is that we are returning to the old well we are wanting to go deeper we are wanting to get into that water we have troubled the waters that weight is just the old time experience and why is it different because we don't know what it feels like because we've never had it before We've never been this close before. We've never had this much water in our bucket before. It's never felt so heavy. Because the more water in your bucket, the heavier it is to pull back up. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're fighting something bad. It means that you are closer than you've ever been. And on top of the church saying all those things, we know that we have the world saying some things too. The world has to say that the well's dried up, that there's not water to support us, or that they've tried to contaminate our waters. With all of their wickedness, they're saying, well, how is their water not contaminated at this point? We have had to contaminate their waters. And I know that now more than ever, the church's discernment needs to be restored so we can fight against those things that the enemy is claiming over us. For there is depth and there is a mighty water. And in John 4:14, it says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. And I could stop there, but the second part is what I really like tonight. It says, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The well that I, the water I give him turns into a well in you. It's a living water. It's an eternal life. It's a water that sustains. And how can I be so confident that the church's days are better ahead than behind us? Because when there's a sustaining water, a sleeping church can still wake up. And a dormant spot can still be filled. And just as I said on Sunday, dead things can live again. Because in there's an eternal water of eternal life springing up from within us. It doesn't take another man or another woman or another person to say something to you when the well is within you the entire time. And the enemy has tried to come against that well. They've tried to filter. They've tried to put a mask over our face. They've tried to put a well cover over our well. I can picture a well and I can picture an old stone. They're laid it on top of it and they said, you can't put your bucket in here. It's dried up. They tried to tell us there's a tomb laying over our well here and that we can't get any more water. I'm going to label that a well cover. And apparently it's been permanently placed over the church. Apparently they think that we don't have hope and that we don't have a way to get through it. 
But I want to remind you this morning, or this evening, that they tried to place a stone over a tomb 2,000 years ago. But this cover was rolled away. Just as they thought that death, it was death, what else could come after that? They thought that they could put a stone over it and label it a tomb. They thought that they could put this cover over our well of worship and say, this will keep them from getting to my water. But just as in that time they tried to place a stone, there's going to be a rolling away of the well cover that the enemy tried to place upon the church's worship, tried to place upon the water. And with that, an unmasking of the enemy and an unveiling of the glory and a release of some water. And that is the restoration I'm talking about. It's the removing of those dark things that they tried to label us as. They tried to say the water was, but they don't have the authority to name what our water is. Our water is life. Our water is pure. They cannot contaminate that. That well cover cannot stop us for it is already within us. We don't have to go to a physical source because he comes to us. And they tried to label that well cover as a tomb. But I remember Ronnie has said this so many times. He's even said this on Sunday. The same thing that the enemy tried to use against you will what be the death of it? And that is the well cover in this sense. They designed it to cut off a supply. They designed it to keep us from going deeper. But what they were doing was they actually gave us time to set a protection around it. To act as a shield that nothing could come in and nothing could come out because why God was orchestrating something. It was used as protection. And I can see a well with a bloodline wrapped around it. And that bloodline was drawn as a shield around us. Just as the song that we sang, it was a covering that nothing could come in and take this water from us. Nothing could contaminate the eternal flowing water. Why? Because it's ever flowing. It's not like a stagnant body of water. It is churning. It is moving. And it was used as for protection. And just as the tomb was closed for a period of time, but then was pushed away, the well cover, the well cover will soon come off. And with it, so will the facade of the enemy. And with that being said, I have a prophecy that I want to give to you. And it has to do with the removing of a well cover. And with that removing, I believe a removing of some old things and a return to the true old way. This is what I hear the Lord saying. Seek ye out the old way. Return to the well. Anointing and empowerment lays in the path that has been tried. A walk that was made through a standard. Put the standard back on the pedestal, on that high place that I said it should be, says the Lord. The Lord will speak judgment to those which tried to rule out the workings of the church. For men had no authority to take it down. But do not think they removed and concealed this well, for they do not have the power to do so. People have simply left it there and tried to build their own path. But my way did not go cold, and my word did not go dead, and my water source will never dry. For the power has been in the water all along. Restore ye the old well, for in the well comes healing. From that water is a holy boldness. Joy and peace even in hard times. Why? For the water is sacred. Restoration, O restoration, I say. For I call you back to the well with my sanctifying power. Call the platform a place of holiness again. Name the darkness for what it is. For bold preaching is simply declaring what I have gave to you. Too many have been frightened to declare a strong opinion 
opinion, but that is the problem. It is no longer an opinion, but it is my proclamation. It is not them who speaks, but I. So prophet, do not fear, but speak when I command ye, for that I will shelter thee in attack. Release the testimony back into my house again, for your declaration foreshadows your deliverance. Turn the waters and submerge into a well of old, for my bloodline will stand as a guard encamped around ye. My strength will carry the weight of the waters when you can no longer bear it, for that is the level that I desire you to be in. Go to the depths, cast your bucket, and return to the well, for the water is high again. Your weariness is being replaced with the reward. Return to the well. Do not stumble or wait to act, for this is a word that comes with urgency. Time is precious. Act before you cannot. Restore my well. It is needed greatly in the days ahead. This lifestyle and taking heed to this word does not include exemption from attacks. But any using a water supply that does not stem from the Lord will soon be struck down through destruction and loss. But at the old way will lay a people who may shake but will not crumble, for they will be standing arm in arm in unity. I can picture it so clearly now as a desert place with a singular well. There's a singular water hole supplying an entire desert. And we have to run and get to that water and bunker down and lay arm and arm around that water to begin to fight to pull it up. And as great as that is, and it has that blood running around us, as great as it is that we will have strength, not all will be as lucky. And there's deserted wells too that men have tried to build that they thought would tap into water. But really they were just laying brick with no source below it. And those that do not have the well of eternal life will then perish. The church will not be able to give their shout because they will see desperation around them and we having to help so many. So this is a callback to a holy place that comes with a cost. And it's not an easy challenge to accept. But I hope that we will make it there in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of opposition, not just for me and you, but for the others that are building wells right now that think they are going to get to some water when it's really just desert below them. Yes, it's great, but I'm not going to enjoy the part where there's a struggle. A well that is overflowing in the midst of a desert can provide for many, but we have to get them to the water. And they have to realize that once you're at the water, you have to still put in work. You can't just get there and sit on the side of the well. You have to take your bucket. You have to put it in the water, and you have to pull it back up. And that's the heaviness that we feel. But it's important that we restore this well so that we can share the water. Envision a man pulling up a bucket, but he's getting tired. Why am I fighting this and not seeing anything change? I came to the well. I came to your standards. Why am I not seeing something greater? I'm getting weary. But what did the Lord speak through that prophecy? He said, there is a high man behind you who says, I will bear the weight. And that is not just the Lord. That is the unity between the church. That is when I'm getting tired, someone getting behind me and pulling that rope with me. Because for one, it may be heavy, but for two, not so much. And for three, not so much. And for four, not so much. If we begin to pull together, bind together, go to the water together, it's not about getting there first or who can get deeper and who can have more. We are fighting for the same water. We're trying to get to the same place. We need to become unified together and in deeper manner than we ever have before. It's important that we know that it may be heavy, but that we have the ability for the wells within us. 
It's not something they can take away from us for we already have it. It's not something they have to give us for it was gave to us when we decided to run this race. And this may sound so silly, this just came in my head. We used to sing this song in elementary school, There's a Hole in My Bucket, Dear Liza. I don't know if you guys know that song, but it goes on and on forever. And they just said, there's a hole in my bucket. And they said, well, then go fix it, Henry. But I can't fix it. And he listed so many reasons why he could not fix his bucket. There, he went on and on. It's a never-ending song. It's one of those that never ends. And he began saying, well, I can't cut this, and I can't fix it with this, and I can't fill it with this, and I can't get any water because I have this hole in my bucket. And just as Henry didn't have enough in his bucket to sustain them, they needed something to live off of, and there was a hole in their bucket, and they couldn't. So many times we've just let the things go in and out. We've just become so comfortable that we've left a hole in our bucket, and that's why we haven't got to pull up the level of water that we want. But he was going to fill that hole in that bucket and allow us to get to a deeper place, allow us to go deeper into his word, allow us to get to more water. Why? Because he's a God of mercy, because he's a God of love. So with that, I'm closing. I don't know if Ronnie or Jay wants to come up after me, but I do know that there was an old well, and we have to restore it. We have to return to it. Why? Because that is where the power is. That is where our strength comes from. And in that water is our only refuge. But not only do we have to get there for ourselves, get there for my school, get there for a community. When you feel tired of pulling that rope, pull it for somebody else's victory. If you can't do it for yourself anymore, declare it for your family, declare it for your school, declare it for your work, for your nation, for we all need the water source. So when you feel like you have to give up, know that there is a man behind you pulling a rope and that you can get back on the sacred path. You can return to a well of old and that we can go deeper through a restoration and a return of the old well. Daddy, I, I hear the word of the Lord very clearly in my spirit and it's been a week of just a lot of soul-searching and spending time with the Lord and, and seeking direction and guidance as we continue to move forward and try to, to just really be what God is calling us to be in this season. And as I stood in this platform on Sunday and shared uh, the word of the Lord, I do believe sincerely that we are in a time of divine completion. I talked about that uh, a little bit on Sunday. And uh, to hear what has been brought in this house tonight, uh, I hear that, and I believe this, with all of, with every fiber in me, that there is a resurfacing of the edge of the Holy Ghost is moving in the lives of men and women. And uh, there is a repositioning that is going to be required of the church, young and old alike, in order to bring into our realm that which God has for us in this season. Much like the son of the prophet had to kneel down by the river to recover the accent when it began to surface. And... I do believe that there is still the word of the Lord that has been said. Jeremiah said it very clearly, search out the old paths, meaning this, there's more, but there's more than one path, but there's only one right path. And today I would say on a Wednesday evening, 
that I think God is calling us back to a place. I don't, I don't believe he's calling us back to a place uh, where we're going to experience and be maybe in the same realm as we was in the 80s. But we are coming back to some of the things that we have lost and left in the church. And uh, this is what I will say to add to what has been said tonight. And I was in my office all day today, nearly all week, uh, honestly. And there is a passage of scripture. You all know the story, I believe, in this room tonight of the book of Esther. Esther was chosen to be queen. Esther was chosen to represent, but we know that in the midst of her taking her rightful place in the palace, that there was one by the name of Haman that also was promoted. So you see good and you see evil. You see both been exalted and promoted at the same time. But then we find that there began to be an exposing. The exposing began to be the plot that Haman was to destroy the Jews. And we find that Mordecai began to sound the alarm. And the question was presented really to Esther in chapter number four. And it simply said, do we not know that maybe this is the reason that you've been brought for such a time as this, is the words of Mordecai that was given. And this is what she said after considering and hearing. She said, send word to Mordecai and have him go and tell everybody uh, to join me in three days of prayer and fasting because then in three days I will go and present myself to the king. And this is what she said. If I perish, I perish. Understanding at that time, she did not have the authority to walk into the presence of the king uninvited. So there had to be something take place. Here's what I want you to hear tonight. You can't just walk in to the presence of God. You can't just walk in and partake of the well. There has to be something take place in our lives. The story gives us the answer to that. This is not legalism. This is not tradition. But this is called holiness. We know our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? The Bible says that very clearly. But in Esther chapter 5, the first three verses, there's something that I believe we should hear. And then we're going to pray tonight. It says, now it come to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king set up on his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so that when he saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. Hear me today. Esther had to change her garment. She had to put on royal apparel. God is calling us to the changing room in the spiritual realm to self-examine our lives and to make sure that we put on that which he has given us. For you understand tonight, the royal apparel that Esther put on was not hers. It was provided to her by the king at a previous time. At the cross of Calvary, 
there was righteous garments that was purchased for you and I, and we have to choose. Are we going to wear the garments of the world, or are we going to wear the garments of the kingdom? If we are ever going to obtain, please hear me, young people and elders alike, if we are ever going to obtain the favor of the king, we are going to have to put on the garments that he has ordained for us, not the garments of the world. That means this, we are going to have to become once again a peculiar people, a set-apart people, not a people that tries to live as close to the world and still have God, but we have to become a people that runs from the world and sees how close we can get to God. Because listen, when you begin to have the heart of God, your desire begins to change. And here's my problem with the American church today. Here's the problem that I see even in the ministry that I'm over right now is this. We have a desire for the things of the world more than we do for the things of God if we're not careful on a day-to-day basis. We want to experience a move of God. We want to experience a reviving. We want to experience, but the thing is our hearts are painting after the things of the world more than the things of God. And therefore, we're choosing to allow the world to program us and to dictate how we present ourselves and we walk without power we walk without anointing we walk without influence in our communities can i tell you everybody is watching the church today young people hear me adults hear me if it doesn't glorify god it doesn't need to be in our lives please hear me I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be real with us today. We've tried to do it one way and it's not worked. We've just continued to bury a generation. But if we want the resurrecting power of God to come back to the house, we're going to have to be willing to put on the royal garments of the kingdom. And that means we're not going to dress like the world, talk like the world, be like the world. Listen, this ain't something we do for a couple hours a week, but this is something we do every day of our life. And that's why all of us every day need to self-examine our lives and say, God, if there's something in me that's not right, please show me and let me change. I don't care what everybody else is doing. But if God tells you not to do something, don't do it. Because he's going to test you. He's going to allow you to be tested. He's going to allow you to be tried. He's going to put some things in your life that says, will you trust me? I'm asking you today, will you trust him? I don't think we have to give people a list of do's and don'ts. We just have to take people to the cross and say, God, just, just shine a light in our lives. And when he begins to do that, notice with me, the cry prompted the change of garment and the changing of garment brought about a reversal of what Haman had ordained and orchestrated. Listen, we are in a place where there's getting ready to be a divine reversal. There is a moving of the spirit that's happening right now. I shared with some this week, God is moving. He's moving in the places where people are willing to change and put on the royal garment. My friend, my uh, brother Christmas in Nashville, Tennessee, just a little over a year ago, pastoring maybe 100 people. Lucky they are having 150 people. Now a year later, on Saturday, they're having at least 250 people show up for prayer meeting. 
People from all over the nation are moving to be part of his church. They've had to go into another church to have church in the afternoon because their church can't hold the people. Why? It's because some people said we're going to change and we're going to put on the royal garment. We're not going to be like everybody else. And, we, and I know people say, oh, they're radical or they're this, they're that. No, they're in the presence of God. So do you want to be in the presence of God? If we do, listen, we have to put on the royal apparel that God has for us self-examine our lives, make the changes that he tells us to make, and then follow after him with all of our heart. And that's when you're going to come back and you're going to find the well that Maddie was talking about tonight. And when you begin to drink of that well, there begins to be living water in it. There begins to be life. There begins to be joy. There begins to be peace. There begins to be healing. There begins to be deliverance. And that's what this world needs right now. This nation needs a wake-up call in this very moment of time. It will not come through a politician or a political party, but when the church begins to rise up and begins to be the church, we will begin to see things change. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. I want to pray with you, pray for you tonight. Right now, notice with me Esther her response to the cry moved a king. Our response today to the word of the Lord that has been given has the ability to move the king. Her change of raiment brought acceptance. See, it isn't about stepping into a place of perfection. It's about stepping into a place where our hearts are turned towards him and when we begin to do that, he begins to honor that. And this evening, on a Wednesday evening, you could have chose to be anywhere else, but you chose to be in the house of the Lord, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But we're in a place where we must obtain favor of the king. And we do that when we begin to walk in the old path, when we self-examine. And we make sure that our lives is in alliance with the word of the Lord. If we'll do that, there is nothing impossible with our God today. I'm believing for breakthroughs in your lives. I'm believing for breakthroughs in your families. I'm believing for breakthrough in this ministry and other ministries that we're uh, involved with. There is things changing and moving even as we speak tonight. But here's what holds the greatest catalyst. Will we make the effort to put on the garment, to position ourselves to be back where we can partake of the well of our Father? Can we pray together tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your love. We thank you today for your mercy and your grace in our lives. We thank you for the privilege that we have to assemble and to worship and to grow together and to learn together. And Lord, I thank you for the passion and the desire of a generation that is trying to find their way to you. And Lord, that is open and honest and transparent. And Lord, today, I thank you for the growth that we're seeing in them. And Lord, I take a moment and I pray especially for the teenagers and the young adults in this room that is navigating through life in a very 
busy time, a very challenging time, and a very noisy time where everything has been pulled at them in every direction. And Father, I pray specifically over them tonight that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them understanding beyond their years, that as they begin to follow after you and they go to your, your word and they spend time in prayer, that you would just begin to reveal yourself to them in a, in a greater manner. And Lord, as their hearts are pure before you today, I pray that you would just continue to cultivate the giftings and the callings in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, the church uh, that's around them, that has a few years on them today and has some life experience, Lord. I pray that you would give us influence with them and let us speak words of wisdom into their lives and give them guidance that brings glory and honor to you and that provides safety for them. And Lord, I pray today that there would just be a coming together of the people of God across this Whitewater Valley and across this nation as well as the globe. And Lord, let us join together in calling out to you and Lord, turning our lives over to you. Lord, bring us back to the well of life, uh, giving water. Lord, help us to do what the son of Abraham did, and that is to redig the wells of old. And Lord, as we redig those wells and we remove the earth out of them that the Philistines have put in them, Lord, let that water begin to bubble to the surface and let men and women begin to be refreshed and encouraged and life be put back into them. And Lord, I pray for the extension of our family, our church family and their families. Lord, I pray for those that are wayward and those that are in a backslidden state, Father, that you would begin to deal with their hearts and you would begin to cultivate the soil of their heart, Lord, where they would begin to hear the word and it would begin to bring forth uh, fruit in their life. Lord, let there begin to be a desire and a passion for the things of God. Let them realize today, Father, that where they are is not where you have ordained them to be but that there is more in the Father's house. So today, Father, I pray that the well of old would begin to bubble up in this ground. And Father, that which we have preached, that which we have desired, that which we have prayed for, I ask that it would begin to manifest uh, in the congregation of this house and houses just like it across this land. And Father, I pray that you would continue to go with us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. And Father, tonight I pray that you would continue to strengthen, lead, guide, and direct the youngest to the eldest in this room. And we will never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Bring us back, Lord, I pray, this Sunday, ready to worship. Lord, I pray that the sinner would be drawn to the house, the backslider would be drawn to the house. Lord, the one that's in need of a healing and a deliverance, let them be drawn to the house of the Lord, I pray. And Lord, we'll never cease to give you praise and glory for the miraculous things that you're doing. In Jesus' name, and the church says. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I wanna thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below, and we would love to catch up with you here what God has spoke to you and continue to follow us and we love you and God bless you.